Welcome to the Higher Ed Demand Gen Podcast, helping higher education marketing leaders share knowledge about learning, strategies, and tactics that are relevant today. See what you can learn today by listening to one of our episodes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Higher Ed Demand Gen Podcast, hosted by Concept3D. On this podcast, we like to discuss topics around creating and capturing demand in higher education. A little bit about our sponsor, Concept3D. Concept3D has served the higher education community for over a decade with our award-winning interactive maps and virtual tours. Improve your campus communications, student engagement, and recruitment with our powerful location-based virtual solutions. So um, when it comes to creating demand, it's, it's more important than ever to really understand your audience. And that is why today I'm so excited to have Cassie Tep de Munoz join us today. Cassie is the Executive Director of Enrollment Initiatives at Michigan Tech. Cassie, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. And so I know in our prior conversation, you brought up this new concept that I hadn't heard before, and it was super interesting. Uh, We were talking about some observations you're seeing in the higher ed space, and you mentioned that Gen Z is over, and now we have moved over into Gen Zoom. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, maybe when it started and some of the key traits? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's interesting, right? I mean, we've all been living uh, through the pandemic the last few years and, uh, you know, everyone knows there's been a lot of change, a lot of chaos. And um, I don't think we've started to think about the everlasting impacts of that yet. Uh, But that's basically what I do in, in my role. So here at Michigan Tech, I'm the Executive Director of Enrollment Initiatives and uh, basically, that means you know helping create pathways to college, and so um, a bulk bulk majority of what we do is actually working early, early in the pipeline, middle, early high school students, and uh, one of our primary programs is a a large summer residential academic experience, and so we bring about a thousand sixth through eleventh graders to campus every summer. Uh, last this past summer, we had almost thirty five states represented in the program as well as a few countries as well. So we bring students from all over. And, um, you know, in 2020, like everybody else, we canceled programming. But in 2021, when we resumed, we we realized pretty quickly into our summer programming that we were seeing issues we, we had never seen before in the nearly 50 years that we'd been running programs. And so, you know, after kind of starting to jot those down, observations, et cetera, I, I felt like I needed to know if what we were seeing was unique or if it was if it was widespread. And so I, you know, really super official uh, Google form methodology here that kind of put together, sent to other so- summer programming providers and basically started asking, is anybody else seeing this? And, and what kind of came back was this affirm affirmation that yes, um, that the traits and, and behaviors we were seeing was was pretty widespread. And, and that just sort of led led me down this journey of, all right, maybe these impacts from the pandemic on youth are actually um, going to be around a lot longer than we thought. And, uh, and that eventually turned into what I've been calling Gen Zoom. And so that's what brought us here today. Gotcha. And, and since you've done these surveys and talked to a lot of folks, you know, what are some of the traits that you're noticing in, in terms of differences with Gen Z uh, in comparison? Yeah, I mean, Gen Z, uh, you know, we've all been pretty familiar. I know there's really great literature out there the last, you know, seven to eight years, especially. Um, and, 
you know, one of the pinnacle definers of Gen Z's life experience was growing up during the, the recession, you know, 2007, 8, 9, 10, um, seeing a lot of their family members lose employment. And, uh, you know, Gen Z is a very pragmatic generation, right? And the difference really is that uh, Gen Zoom, their entire life experience is really being impacted by a global pandemic. And it, it, it was a wide, more widespread event in their lives. Um, and it was global, right? It was, you know, an international uh, event. And also, um, you know, for Gen, Gen Z, they still had the ability to socialize. They still had the ability to, you know, it was, it was much more of an individual experience, but the pandemic was sort of the ultimate leveler in, in so many ways. And so for Gen Zoom, you know, kids growing up in Gen Zoom, what really defines their experience was the lack of control over any element of their daily lives or world. And, and we're starting to see now how that shapes their perspective. Gotcha. And I read a little bit about your presentation before this, and I don't really know too much about um, psychology or how, you know, development changes throughout different ages in your life. But are you, I think that you mentioned somewhere in there that like, um, I'm not sure which age group it was, but when you're younger, basically those impacts make a bigger difference. And so are you, see, when are you seeing like the impacts of this, of these, of Gen Zoom becoming adults? Yeah, so Gen Z, I, I believe, uh, you know, a lot of the research is that Gen Z was predicted, you know, to end um, still in a few years. So I mm -hmm. think those who are about nine years old and older now um, would be classically defined as Gen Z. And what I basically realized through the research that I started doing and some of the experiences and how we've been running things in our program, um, I felt like there was a stronger delineation actually at those who were about 15 or younger when the pandemic started. Uh, so, you know, March, 2020, if you were 15 or younger, those are the students that I am now calling Gen Zoom. And the reason for that is, you know, I've had a lot of people sort of say, well, yeah, but you know, I'm 25 and I was impacted by the pandemic. Yes, absolutely. We all were, that is, you know, the point of a right. pandemic, right? It affects all of us. But uh, the difference is that older students and young adults at that time um, had more of an ability to take in information about the pandemic or what was happening and sort of like mm. rationalize it, make it make sense, apply it to their lives versus those younger kids, those younger students. And I have two daughters. I feel like we really tried to shield a lot of the impacts in the early days of the pandemic because we thought, okay, this is six weeks long. This is eight weeks long, right? And um, by doing that, we actually, um, we maybe cause a little bit more harm than good because we didn't necessarily tell them. Um, actually, we didn't have the information ourselves, right? Like, oh, right. today we wear a mask, because, <laughs> right? I mean, the science, yeah. you know, just sort of kept changing and we didn't have all the answers then. And so the way it sort of impacted them differently is that uh, I think they are much more distrustful uh, of the adults the in right. their lives, us who, um, Kids are supposed to see adults as being more knowledgeable, more, you know, safe, right. more trustworthy. That was kind of put into question. And then on top of that, just all of the change and uncertainty, all of the events that were planned and then canceled and then put back on, but, oh, now it's virtual or, you know, all of those little pieces of their lives really contributed to this overall sense of um, uh, that they, they don't really have 
certainties in their life that they can rely on. And, and more concerning to me is that they also don't get excited about things the way previous generations did because they, they sort of learned to live with apathy as sort of a resting emotion, which has been really interesting to see in our programming. Got it. And what are some of the, the traits you're seeing with Gen Zoom right now? I know you mentioned apathy just now. Are there yeah. other traits that you're you're noticing across the board? Yeah, absolutely. So so my background actually is in uh, sort of cultural theory and um, what makes people come together, sort of what defines cultures and society, which is sort of how I landed upon this whole journey. And mm -hmm. um, I think that there are, I have about eight specific traits that I've identified for, for Gen Zoom, and I won't go into all of them, but some of the big ones um, super high empathy, but um, very low actual physical practice of that. So, you know, think about spending maybe a year and a half or two years online, you know, taking in media, taking in, and we were, even if our families weren't maybe glued to the TV before the pandemic, we all were when the pandemic hit, right? Like we, we really immersed ourselves to try to figure out what was going on. So students were immersed in a lot of media and they had a lot more access because they were always on a screen. Mm -hmm. And so um, they're taking in so much information about so social justice and current events and other things that were also happening during that time. And so, you know, they have a very high level of empathy to be able to read things online and say, yeah, like that, that's wrong or that doesn't make sense or I feel strongly about this. But then, you know, they come to our summer programs and, um, you know, their roommate, you know, puts their shoes on the wrong side of the room and they can't resolve a basic conflict because they mm. they, they haven't had the practice of, of doing that. And so what we're finding as one big trait is that we were having to intervene in a lot of situations that previously were, um, you know, very elementary conflict resolution between between students and um, we had to intervene. The, an, another big one obviously is mental health. That's not a surprise to anyone, but what is interesting about it is that um, they, you know, there's very high social uh, acceptability of, of the concept of having a therapist, of having, having a counselor, something they talk about very openly. They're very, very encouraging of one another to have them. Um, but they, uh, we, they may self-disclose actually to a fault. So as an example, um, you know, we had a, a mom call me because, and she was just, you know, beside herself on the phone. And she said, my, my son mm -hmm. is hungry. And I was like, okay, well, uh, the dining hall is down the, down the hallway. And she's like, well, he's, he's too afraid to go in there. And so we were like, wow. Okay. So when we started talking to the student, he just, he, he was unable to envision going into the dining hall and putting food on a plate um, because he hadn't done it in a school. He hadn't gone to a cafeteria. Wow. Okay. You know, those, those basic things. And when I thought about myself, if someone picked me up and dropped me in Thailand right now, I've been to Thailand, pretty comfortable, savvy traveler. But if they said, here's a restaurant, um, I wouldn't know you know, do I, or do I put rice in a bowl or on a plate? Do I grab right. a fork? Are there going to be chopsticks? You know, so I've tried to think about it from that lens. And so it changed a lot of the way we approach our programming. So we started including a, literally a dining hall tour every Sunday of check-in um, with our counselors. Our counselors actually walk our participants through the cafeteria and say, this is where you get a tray and this is what you, you know, all of those things. And so 
on a wider scale, um, we're doing that as an institution with our first year students coming in, um, really taking new approaches to the fact that we they haven't had a lot of the experiences that we assume that they would have had by the time they come to college. And they have a lot of anxiety about those because they simply haven't had the practice. Wow, that's amazing. So you're seeing what I'm hearing, you're seeing there's no lack of empathy. There's an increase in empathy. So there's a lot more feelings and understanding going on, but the action is, is what's hard because there's been less experience. Gotcha. Yeah, exactly. That's super, super interesting. <laughs> um, it, what are the, I, I know you mentioned there were some potentially disproportionate impacts of this as well, and how it's also dif affecting different communities differently. Can you go into that a little bit in detail as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like the old adage, you know, same same storm, different ship, right? And um, we we all were we all sort of went through this experience of the pandemic, but um, our historically and currently excluded populations, you know, uh, people of color, um, students who uh, rural students are just so overlooked. Michigan Tech, uh, where we're located, very very rural area. And my office does a lot of college access work as well. Um, about 40% of our local kids didn't don't have internet, um, if you can believe that. And, and our area is so rural that actually there's not cell service either. So it's not like we can solve that with a hotspot or some of the other mm -hmm. traditional solutions. Gotcha. And so if you think about that, that's um, easily a population that um, ha was even more severely impacted. And we don't have uh, even like fast food chains up here with free Wi-Fi that they could go to even if they could get to them, right? So certainly there are those populations. I think that the the data that we're just starting to find out now about um, particularly students of color, their academic achievement uh, is, is staggering. Um, I wanna say the national high school graduating GPA dropped from 3.38 down to 3.0. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and, and one of the biggest things that we're finding is so Michigan Tech, we, uh, about 80% of our students are studying STEM, vast majority are, are in engineering. And so you miss one really core sequential course like Calc 1, right? Or you don't have a solid foundation in it, and it shakes the rest of your academic career. So we've been doing a lot of work on our campus on providing uh, sort of boost booster programs. Um, particularly for incoming first years. And I think that overall, all students need that to some degree, but it's, um, I would argue they need a little bit more of the life skill booster as well. Gotcha. So you've seen a drop in both academic levels as well as obviously just life skills and home, what's it called? Home rec, home ec. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's socio-emotional learning, right? Like relating to others, working with others. And uh, I, I think that we've certainly seen the drop, but it's not always apparent on a transcript because teachers also have been a little more lenient, you know, like everyone's trying to help everyone get through, but um, that helped you during the pandemic, but doesn't help you three years later when you, you can't pass, you know, a statics course because you never really did well in calc, right? And so, those are the things that we're only now sort of just beginning to identify. And there's a lot less understanding and compassion, I think, three years later uh, from faculty, you know, which is a, a big part of the challenge is, is kind of that education. Uh, it, was, it was one thing during the pandemic, people had sort of a, a, free, a free pass on a right. lot of things, but you still have to learn the skills, right? Right, and you know, I'm just trying to relate to the story 
outside of um, higher education, but I mean, I'm reading articles all the time about the next generation of workers and I'm just hearing a lot of similarities right now. And yeah. maybe it's not just the employee's fault and maybe it's the employer's fault. I don't want to say fault, but there's, there's also, um, there's something to be said about the employer side where they're, they also have to be empathetic understanding of their employee's side. So, um, I'm yeah. hearing very similar situations <laughs> right now. For sure. And I, and I'll add to that. Uh, so as I've sort of embarked on this, this journey about, you know, really communicating and sharing out about Gen Zoom, um, you know, there's certainly something to be said. So, the, you know, Gen Zoom, if they were 15 in 2020, March, 2020, they, they just started college this fall, right? So this is, this is all really relevant. They are here on our campuses now, at least some of them, but certainly a portion didn't go to college, right? Like we have, we have Gen Zoom in the workplace now. And so I've also been adapting some of my recommendations and strategies specifically specifically for workforce development for um you know that talent industry because they have you know whether they went to college or not they, these students this generation they have a high need for transparency in the workplace and um accommodations beyond those that we traditionally offer in terms of you know the ability to have remote work and um you know, mental health leave and things of that nature. Got it. I shifted gears just slightly. So I'm trying to take in everything you just said. Um, and as a, a, an executive director of enrollment initiatives yourself, how do you translate all these things that you're observing, like the different traits that you're seeing, the, the different um, feelings that the Gen Zoom is feeling now? How do you translate that all into higher education and how how you're doing different outreach or different enrollment initiatives yeah yeah for sure well first and foremost this was sort of an accidental project that i that i stumbled upon right as as happens but um as a sort of a non-traditional educator i'm i'm really passionate about not only getting students into uh, places where they're successful, whether that's college or, or not, um, but also really helping them feel that it's it's fulfilling and worthwhile. And that work is really on the rest of us, right? To create those spaces and environment um, and that, that sort of inclusiveness, right? Inclusivity. So I've been traveling uh, to other campuses, slowly sort of spreading the word um, about GenZoom and, and providing specific strategies, both for faculty, for staff, for administration, um, as well as the workforce about how to accommodate this generation. And um, I think what we're doing here at Michigan Tech, we're sort of on the, the front end of this, right? So I always like to say that my role in enrollment is I'm sort of like the beacon because I'm working with students that won't show up for another three to four years on a college right. campus. Right? So I'm sort of like the early alarm bell system, if you will, mm -hmm. here. And um, we are definitely trying to tweak the the way that we speak with students for sure so gen zoom we so in higher ed particularly in marketing particularly uh in recruitment enrollment we tend to focus always on the tools like oh should we get a TikTok? everybody's on TikTok now maybe we need a TikTok. oh do right. we hire a student to run the TikTok? right and right. uh what I, what I really want people to understand with Gen Zoom is it's not even about the tool as much as it is about the messaging of how we're trying to relate because up until now 
we have completely depended on this assumption that they knew what um, that that life experience had a connotation for them. So as an example, like every American high school movie ever focuses on prom. Prom is like a big thing and maybe your dad right. gives you a Jaguar, right? Like if you think about pop culture, you think about prom. So, you know, during the pandemic, basically three, two years of students didn't have a prom. They didn't have homecoming. They didn't have, they didn't go to their sister's wedding. They didn't do college tours. You know, they didn't uh, mm -hmm. have traditional visit experiences. And so it's like when you talk to somebody about a Twinkie forever and like, oh, Twinkies are so great and they have this filling and you can deep fry them at the state fair. If you've never had a Twinkie, it means nothing to you. Like it has no meaning. And the way we talk about college is, is the same. Um, we, when we say things like, oh man, like the student life here is awesome. There's like a real sense of community. What does sense of community mean, mean. to a student who's been on Zoom for two years? It's very vague, right? And so we need to really shift our messaging because we're just, we're not gonna be able to resonate if we keep talking about Twinkies. Um, and so rather than focusing on the tools and how, you know, how we're trying to engage students, I think we need to go back to basics and say, you know, if you come here at this university, you will have a one-on-one -on -one experience with uh, a tutor or a faculty in our learning center. You mm -hmm. know, you will have a residence life experience that has you, you know, living with a roommate and accessing, you know, whatever, our gym inside the building. Like, you have to be very specific, I think, when we're talking to Gen Zoom because they just don't have a lot of guide rails of, of what to expect. Got it. Because, you know, when I say blanket statement, like, you know, creating community or generating community. I have an idea of in my head of what creates community. For me, that's events. That's uh, people like being there in person. Um, that means some unified goal or something that's that we're talking yeah. about. So if we're at a sporting event, that's to win the sporting event. If I'm at a work event, that's to connect with people. And so that community is what I immediately think of. But if you haven't experienced it, community might not yeah like you said it might not mean anything to you or you might not know what it means that's a yeah, really good you say we have a d1 football team why why should i care i've never been to a football game in high school right i don't know okay. about the camaraderie in a stadium i don't i don't have the uh, you know marketing is always about creating emotion creating a feel to tell a story and they don't necessarily have the traditional emotion and feel that we've that we've assumed Gotcha. And, and does this sort of relate to social listening as well? I'm hearing this a lot as well and like understanding how to communicate and message your prospective students, you know, even if they're four or five years out, it, how can you even go about doing research around this? Do you, where do I go for that? Yeah. So all that we have is just anecdotal, you know, really from working directly with students and in, in our programming and, um, it's very interesting. So Gen, if we thought that Gen Z was was really pragmatic, Gen Zoom is like light years beyond that. They, um, all of their lives for the last three years has been very orchestrated, highly scheduled. Um, there has been almost a complete lack of spontaneity, right? So um, think about like, so I, I, the irony of my current role is I was never a, a good student in STEM and that's sort of not what I, what I do for a living that I promote that. But for me, the only way that I 
engaged in science classes in high school was when like you know my lab mate would accidentally blow something up and i don't know whatever it's it's those spontaneous uncontrolled moments in a classroom that for me got me involved and got me listening mm -hmm. and that doesn't happen over zoom and right. you don't have the side conversations and the you know those pieces with other kids in the class and so they've had this complete absence of of those things so um we are finding that um they have a very high need for very prescriptive description about things that will happen. And so in our programming, you know, it's it's like 9 a.m. and they're like, okay, so what happens every hour of the rest of the day? And we're like, well, it's a summer camp. So frankly, like we're kind of planning it as we go here, you know, wasn't enough for them, but they've gotten very accustomed to that. They have very low ability to deal with the ambiguity, um, which is gonna result in the need for much greater support services in college, um, especially, you know, those on the student life side. Um, and the other big piece I would say is that when you are, you know, 13 or 14, uh, your, your body's going through a lot of changes. You're, you're maturing right in a lot of ways. And that's a mm -hmm. scary experience for, for everyone. It's, and it's awkward, right? Yeah. Um, when you're on zoom during that experience and, you know, if you have acne, like your camera's just off. Uh, if your voice is changing, you're muted, right? And so this this sense that um, when school was on Zoom, you only unmute yourself when you have a fully formed thought in your head. There is no, you know, popcorn chiro. Now you read next in class. Um, your name is what you type it to be on your screen, right? And so this sort of like avatar generation, what we're finding when they actually come back into real life and have been coming into our programs the uh, gender fluidity is um, easily the most no notable thing about this generation. They um, they are very uh, exploratory with with gender and identity in ways that uh, the rest of us we are not prepared for and, and are a little bit unsure of how to handle. Even when we're trying to be inclusive, even we're, when we're trying trying to create spaces, we just simply don't have the um, the vocabulary or the wording to to support their exploration and so that's been a big a big piece of our programming that we've been having to work on that um has been very positive i would say got it and can you just explain to me like i'm five gender fluidity real quick <laughs> yeah yeah so um gender fluidity is it's sort of this sense that um, I don't have to be prescribed or I don't want to be prescribed to be male or female or or do things that are uh, traditionally thought of as male things. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I don't have to wear specific colors or styles of clothing. I don't have to think a certain way or use particular pronouns that aren't what I decide to be. And so, you know, as an example, we maybe even just five or six years ago, we would have called this, uh, you know, maybe transgender, right? So maybe a student is is transgender. That's actually a very specific separate thing. Right. Um, in our summer programming, as an example, these are, again, residential one-week experiences. So we, we had, in the last 10 years, maybe prior to the pandemic, we had maybe one transgender participant, the history of our programming. The summer after the pandemic, our first summer running, we had 40. So if I can even go from one in 10 years to 40 in one summer, huge change. And we were, that was one of those pieces I was asking other camp administrators. And, and what we found was that 
it's not that, that we actually have more students who are textbook definition transgender, right? It's just that they, um, they had a much higher degree of wanting to explore that. They'd been at home on Zoom for two years, hadn't been going to school where they're having to walk into a gendered bathroom sign, you know, um, on the wall and make those sorts of choices. Mm -hmm. They suddenly, you know, their way of expressing their identity and, and, and playing with it, maybe for you and I, that was our clothing choices we wore when we were 13, 14, right. 15, the hair color style. For them, they couldn't do that because they were on Zoom. So they're experiencing now with that in the real world. And um, I will say that many of those students returned to our programs this past summer. And uh, many of them did go back to their birth pronouns um, or or went, you know, more neutral with they, them or, or something like that. Um, so it's been really interesting to see how they've sort of oscillated, you know, um, with their gender exploration. Got it. And I'm trying to think of this, you know, I, I have a, a slight gaming background. And, you know, like, I think you mentioned the avatar earlier, or like, you know, how you can be off screen, you can have your, your profile picture, I don't, depending on the platform, it's called different things, but yeah. um, you're, you're able to kind of shift your online perspective and who you are with who, who you might be, you know, at birth. And so I'm trying to relate to it and it makes sense to me in that regard. Yeah, totally. Gotcha. Got it. That was, that's super interesting. Wow. Um, and, and I'm thinking, you know, really high level from a business perspective, you know, I know you mentioned uh, messaging should be very discreet and step-by-step -step and informative just because there's a lot more unknowns now. And uh, Gen Zoom is more accustomed to having a scripted life. What does this kind of understanding really mean, uh, an understanding of Gen Zoom that is uh, to the business objectives of the institutions and you know, higher ed marketing as a whole? What does this mean for uh, that whole outcome? Yeah, I mean, we are we are now working with a generation that um, is not sold on the idea of college to begin with, and we certainly saw that with Gen Z. Um, they certainly, as I mentioned, that that pragmatism. They Gen Z started to question things with the recession. They started asking, well, you know, my mom, dad, grandpa, uncle had, you know, they went to college and they had a good job and they still lost it during the recession. So why go to college? Gen Zoom. The the question is. Um, more like, why should I invest the time in doing this thing when, um, like, I don't know the value. Like, I don't, again, if, if we, when we talk about, like, the college experience doesn't mean anything. Like, there's no connotation there, right? Mm -hmm. And so for them, it's, um, it's a bit of the pragmatism of, of Gen Z mixed with a complete absence of um, firsthand experiences that could give them a sense of why this is a valuable thing. So unfortunately for, for us, the business cases, we have to, you know, we're going backwards a little bit in terms of um, having to just start from a place of why go to college? Why go to a university? Um, and then start communicating and educating on what are the options, you know, community college or fifth year college or college in the schools or dual enrollment, you know, what are all the pathways to get there? Um, which is a big part of my role here at the university is helping communicate that to families um, so that they know that there are a variety of options that can meet different different needs. But we're kind of going back to basics, to be honest, Hero. Got it. So, you know, what I'm hearing is there's just a, a huge shakeup within higher ed, especially traditional higher education. And, and we're really going back to, like you said, the basics and, and starting out with 
messaging, how to communicate, uh, how to create different selling points of college uh, and university. Um, Cause the, the pandemic really, really shook things up and it's, there's no, uh, there's no normal or traditional way that everything always works. Yeah. And, and I think one of the things that um, I tell faculty that they're not, not excited to hear, sadly, it's not, not great news, but students for a while now, certainly before gen zoom, um, no one really goes to college for the knowledge anymore, right? We're, we have a knowledge economy and, um, you know, that's where the jobs are. But if you want to learn something, you go to YouTube, you go to Google. In fact, YouTube is creating a whole new education streaming platform to capitalize on this, right? So if you want to learn something, you, you figure it out. You, you, you can find that online. But you go to college to have the network, to have, like, you, you go to have a faculty who you can say, I know this guy who's an expert in this thing, and he guided me. That's why they go to college. That's why students choose right. to, to get a degree, right? And um, faculty are still kind of thinking of, I'm, I'm, I'm imparting knowledge, you know, into this class. And I think we need to shift that, which also may mean shifting how we deliver education, um, certainly micro credentials and other things are on the rise for a reason. I think, I don't think anyone has fully landed on the answer. Right. But I think that, um, right. it's certainly clear that, uh, gen zoom is going to push that and demand it even more, because as I said, highly, highly practical, they don't have an understanding of the need for a lot of fluff. Um, but they definitely want to have the, the, the skills and the security that, that come with a degree. Got it. Thank you so much, Cassie. Thanks so much for sharing your insights on Gen Zoom. It was really, really interesting conversation, probably the first of its kind on this podcast. So thank you so much. I was wondering where our listeners could connect with you and learn more about your, your research, uh, maybe about just connecting with you on LinkedIn. I'd love to learn more there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And thank you, Shiro. Um, I'd, I'd love to connect with people. You can find me on LinkedIn pretty easily. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to share this. I've done a number of professional development sessions for institutions and for other staff, um, something I'm happy to do so that, you know, as an industry, we're, we're able to really serve this, this generation that's at our doorstep now. So thank you so much. Got it. And to our listeners, thanks for joining us today. Please catch us on the next episode. Thank you.